Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. There are no spring weddings and no christenings, only funerals. Around the world and in every community in Britain, the customs of life and the rituals of death are interrupted. Places of worship have closed their doors and where services are possible, at graveside or crematorium, mourners are being strictly limited. Families are missing the chance to say their final farewells. But the first week of these funerals with only 10 people attending and and not being able to see them before, not being able to hold their hand or hug them afterwards, having to stand two metres away from them. Every single funeral I got back into my car and I just sat and cried. I'm David Taylor and this week on the Slow News Podcast we're dealing with the biggest of questions. How we live, how we die and how we find purpose. Thank you so much oh, for doing this. Do you need any other help with anything? That's amazing. You've got quite a big group there. The doorbell has been going quite a lot for Jan Gould at her vicarage in the west of Cardiff. Since the Church of the Resurrection closed because of COVID-19, her congregation has scattered and grown at the same time. Services have moved to Facebook, broadcast live from her dining room table. Pastoral care, all those face-to-face meetings have migrated to Zoom. Printed sermons are being delivered by hand for older members of the congregation with no access to a computer. Volunteers are coming and going, picking up sermons, dropping in with donations for the food bank. I'll go home and pack my shopping and then I'll go back out there. Fabulous. Oh, thanks <laughs> just like so to get out much and have a I know, know, but it means the world to these folks yeah. just to, you know, to actually have someone that they can see. As, yeah. And especially if it's a church person that they yeah. recognise. Yeah. So, Jan, I know it's Saturday, normally your day off. Thanks for talking to me. Can we just start with you telling us a little bit about your parish? So, Ely is in, as you say, the west of Cardiff. It's quite a poor area. There's a lot of social need in this area. Um, But it's also the most amazing parish with a really strong community spirit. 
that I think comes out of the hardship that people have lived. It's a place where the church has a very central role at the heart of the community, it always has had. You know, we know lots of the people in this parish, perhaps more than in some other parishes would. What was the sort of the roots there? Where were the, the big employers? Where were the, the jobs traditionally? So years ago, most of the jobs were in the Ely paper mill and the Ely brewery, both of which have long gone now. So there was a time of very high unemployment and that's still, you know, pretty much the case now. There's a lot of unemployment around this area, particularly with young men. Talk to me about Sunday. What's it normally like there? So normally on a Sunday we have a service at 8 o'clock um, and then we mm -hmm. have a 10 o'clock service as well. That's our main service of the day. And then we usually do baptisms and we might do some other kind of visiting or whatever in the rest of the day. I suppose it goes without saying that none of that's happening. What, what will be happening this Sunday? So on Sundays at the minute, um, we're live streaming a service for my dining room every week at 10 o'clock. So I'll be making sure that everything's set up in place for that, that the, the phone is at exactly the right angle to get everything in shot that needs to be in shot. And, uh, you know, making sure we've got everything to hand that we need for that live stream to go without any hitches. Have you seen the Joy on Earth CD? Might be in the machine, love. I've not seen to go here. We have simplified it a lot, but we've, we've got a basic format that it contains the main elements of a normal Sunday service. Because I think people need that normality at the minute. They need to feel that they've got something that's familiar, even if they can't fully take part in it. Hard copies of the sermon for those who are housebound with no social media. Twenty copies. You, you've been printing out sermons, and and, and that's for um, older people who don't have access to the internet, or or what, what's that about? The first thing we did was put a big spreadsheet together with every known person that's ever had anything to do with our church on. They all got a phone call asking them, are you on Facebook? Are you on WhatsApp? Are you on email? Do you need hard copies through your letterbox? And so now we've got a system going where every week before the live stream, the sermon and the readings for the day get printed out for those that don't have access to social media. I've got a team of volunteers will be arriving later on today to pick all those up and deliver them. And they can sit down at 10 o'clock every Sunday morning in their living room with the readings and sermon and that service and go through it with us, knowing that we're all together in this. In your contact with parishioners, how are people handling that feeling of isolation? I think it depends who they are. Some of the older ones, when I say older, I mean people in their 80s, those that have been through the war as young children, um, who've known difficult times before from those days, they seem to be very pragmatic about it. They know it's something they have to do um, in order to, to stay safe. I think the younger families are finding it more difficult, especially those with toddlers, you know, because they can only go out once a day with them and mm. trying to keep them occupied. And especially in school term time, if the parents are working from home, they've got to make time to do homeschooling as well and to, to cope with their children's frustrations at not being able to do the things that they normally do. Nice to see you. Take care. All right, ta-da. Bye now. So that was just checking in on one of my church families. 
um, bringing them the service sheet for tomorrow so they can join in with us and making sure their little ones are okay which they are they're all very happy and enjoying their family time which is great news so it's not all bad in this situation we're in at the minute and just in terms of your um, your your pastoral visits in the community, are you doing anything uh, with regard to hospital visits? Um, hospital visiting is banned at the minute. I did go into the psychiatric hospital um, the other day. I was allowed in. My, one of my parishioners has been sectioned under the Mental Health Act, and that stress was really brought on by the lockdown. And because mm. it was only the day after she'd been admitted, they did allow me in to see her. But when I went back yesterday, I wasn't allowed in. I, I could only drop things at the door for her. It's uh, eerily quiet around this hospital. All the doors are closed. Notices saying no entry, COVID. Very strange situation we find ourselves in. Have you been thoughtful about subject matter in this moment? Are, are you being drawn towards messages and, and towards music that uh, that speaks to isolation or introspection? The fact that it all really started just at the start of Holy Week, when we focus mm. on the suffering of Christ, um, I think that was so profound for us this year because it really identified with our own suffering as well. Um, and of course, what we remember at the end of Holy Week is Easter and the triumph over all of that and the good news and that, you know, the, the new hope that is is there because of the resurrection and and actually homing in on that and saying, yes, we are in this at the minute, but this isn't the end of the story. Um, and just as, you know, in the life of Jesus, the end of the story was new life. Um, so that will be true for us as well. Um, and quite, you know, quite by coincidence, the reading that's set for tomorrow is a story about the disciples being locked behind doors for fear. And you know, how many people here now are behind locked doors, absolutely terrified to go out in case they catch the virus? So when I'm out and about with the dogs, quite often those walks become quite long because a lot of people are stopping to chat. I always make a point of wearing my collar, although they know me anyway, but the collar kind of gives them permission yes. if they, you know, didn't feel able to before that, you know, they can stop and chat and people do. Um, and in the queue at the shop or sometimes I just go for a walk around on my own, just talking to whoever's out and about. Up until this week when our volunteers start delivering things, I've been doing that with my curate, delivering all the service sheets. And we've made a point of knocking the door and then stepping back to the gate and having a conversation with people sort of with a bit of distance between us. This is the people that, you know, are elderly and live alone. Maybe haven't seen anybody else all week. I imagine that's quite emotional. It is. It's, it's very hard. I mean, certainly quite emotional for, you know, the people who are seeing us because you know, they're just completely isolated the rest of the week. Has there been some tears? Tears, but, but also um, not tears of sadness, but tears of gratitude and tears of relief that actually there is still some normality. We can still see some people we know. I mean, the other, obviously the big pastoral thing we're doing at the minute is funerals. 
Yes, typically, you know, the church is a place of all of those mile markers of life. And if we think of births and marriages and, and deaths, but what's it been like during lockdown? I'm presuming much of that activity has had to stop. Well, we can't have any activity inside the church at all. The church is locked. So we've got no baptisms, no weddings. They've all been put on hold. Funerals, again, we can't do them in church, but we are still doing them at the crematorium or graveside services. And, you know, that's quite hard for us because this is a parish where maybe 80% of our funerals come to church first, which, again, is it books the trend of most parishes, I would say. But that is a reflection of the place that the church has in this community that people wouldn't think of doing anything but go to church for their funeral and mm. suddenly they can't do that and so, typically we'd have three four five hundred people at a funeral you know now we can only have ten so it's it's really really difficult and we can't meet the families beforehand to make the arrangements normally I'd go and sit and meet them all in their home and sit and have a cup of tea and a, a nice relaxed chat with them all and share their reminiscences but we can't do that we're just having to do everything on the phone which is very strange you know because you haven't got that physical connection with the people and yes you know we turn up at the service and we don't even know who it is that we've spoken to on the phone unless we happen to know them beforehand and then you know having only 10 people there when you know full well you know there's a lot of big families around here and and most of the family are being excluded from saying their goodbyes. Have have there been any particularly difficult cases for you? Well I had one where there were 12 children in the family uh, the lady who died and obviously they could only have 10 at the service so they had to decide which two were not going to say goodbye to their mother at the funeral but it's it's really tough. I had another family where they wanted the grandchildren to come and and they couldn't Mm -hmm. so one of the sons actually didn't go to his dad's funeral so that his two children could go instead you know but that's that's a massive thing for somebody to have to sacrifice isn't it really do do you know how many funerals you've you've conducted since lockdown Um, well in the last two weeks we've had 14 which normally we do about two a week do you happen to know whether any of those have been COVID-19 related? They have, yes. I think four of them have been. We've also had four suicides. Have you? You know, we do get suicides in this area. It's quite common in areas of deprivation. A lot more mental health issues, maybe. But this lockdown is really mm-hmm. exacerbating those problems. You know, and we've had people, they've maybe had underlying mental health issues um, and then they've lost their job because of lockdown and just lost all sense of purpose and that they're all men in their mid-40s. That is desperately sad, isn't it? And again, I I mean, I think we're all struggling to comprehend the numbers involved and make sense of them. But when you hear those individual stories and and then begin to see patterns of of deaths, it's, it's really troubling. I anticipate we will have more suicides. Um, And it's something that the government haven't really talked about. You know, we're hearing all the time how many people have died from the virus in hospital, but actually all of our COVID funerals are from nursing homes. I haven't had any from the hospital. So, you know, I really... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about... 
work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I wonder what the actual number is. Yes. Um, and then that the whole suicide factor, it's just not even been mentioned in in the news. And I, I can't believe this is the only parish where this is happening. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure you're right. And I think the, the long-term mental health impact of this, I don't think we've even begun to consider, really. And if you don't mind me asking, how how are you doing? I'm okay, actually. I'm glad I had the week away just before it started to get really well and strong because otherwise I wouldn't be mm-hmm. able to cope the way I am. You know, I I practice meditation every day and, and that really gives me a centeredness from which I can work from. And I think without that, I would be struggling. But I've kind of got used to the new norm now. The first two weeks were terrifying, you know, what do we do next? Especially Holy Week with different services every day, you know, all with a different theme to them and trying to figure out how on earth I'm going to do this online um, was a real challenge. And then and getting used to doing funerals in, in the new way as well was really difficult to begin with. I mean, has that been upsetting for you? It has. I mean, you know, usually when I do a funeral with a few hundred people, which is the norm here, I come away at the end feeling like I've done the right thing, I've done a good job, I've given the family something that they need or, or something has been given through me to them. Uh, and usually a real sense of satisfaction that I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. But the first week of these funerals with only 10 people attending and and not being able to see them before, not being able to hold their hand or hug them afterwards, having to stand two metres away from them, every single funeral I got back into my car and I just sat and cried because I just felt so... So down. I, I was just... It was like I was selling them short. I wasn't giving them the care that they needed... And yet that's what I'm there to do. Mm. And living with that sense of being so inadequate in their times of real suffering. And, and you know, their suffering's compounded by knowing that so many of their families can't be with them to grieve. Yes. I wonder, it, 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 I mean, clearly that that's 
story is being repeated uh, in every community in the UK at the moment. So many people not being able to um, properly say their farewells. I wonder if um, what we're all ready to be planning for is a is some kind of national day of remembrance or a memorial service where everyone can properly say their goodbyes. I don't know. Is it something you've given thought to yourself? I haven't thought about a national day. I think that's a really good idea. But what we are doing with all of our families is suggesting that they might like to come to the church when the churches are open again and actually have a memorial service in the church where they can invite as many people as they want. This church seats hundreds. It's it's a huge building. We're very blessed in that, you know. And I'm suggesting that if they have cremation, that they actually don't scatter the ashes straight away but they actually hold on to them and bring them into the church so that whilst it is only cremated remains, it's not the person themselves, there is something tangible that they can say goodbye to. Yes. Almost every family, I think, bar a couple, are saying we're definitely going to do that. I wonder, is it, have, are there any thoughts you might share um, about how people can best cope with isolation, feelings of stress and pressure that they're going through, perhaps the just the, the endless uncertainty of it all? Like I say, for myself, I practice meditation and I find that a really helpful tool. Also, you know, going for a walk, one of the things that's really struck me since all this has happened, a lot less traffic out, is that nature seems so much more vibrant you know, the birds, they seem to be singing louder. The stars are brighter in the sky at night. Spring seems to be so much more vigorous, doesn't it, somehow this year? I think that's partly because we're not destroying it. <laughs> you know, I mean, when I think normally I can't see the stars very much in the sky over Cardiff because there's too many aeroplane vapours in the sky. But mm. now it's it's amazing and I just look at it and it's the awesomeness of it. And just just allowing yourself to be lost in that, you know, has to be something that gives hope. Yes, there's continuity there, and there's and and there's uh, a real sense of spirit too, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And you know that that cycle of life and death. You know, nature goes through it every year, and it's coming through the other side of it now. It's springtime; everything's coming alive. And I just think there's a really important message for us in that, that actually we'll come through this and there'll be new life on the other side. It won't be the same as the old life. I don't think it ever could be now. You know, we've changed too much as a world, not just our community, but the whole world is changed because of this. It's hard to believe we're saying that, isn't it? It is. You know, a month ago, I couldn't have comprehended saying something like that. But... Um, you know, we don't know what the new reality is going to look like. But there will be a new reality and it will be one filled with hope and it will be one filled with new life mm. because that's what the cycle of death and resurrection is all about. Well, Jan, thank you very much for going through all of that. I, I think what would be really lovely for us is to just briefly catch up tomorrow on the other side of your your sermon you're going to join us for the service how well if i can yeah i will yeah so i just need to find your facebook group right yeah it's resurrection church is the facebook group yeah okay i can send you the link if you like oh, amazing well uh, and what time is that tomorrow it starts at 10 o'clock 10 o'clock brilliant lovely 
morning and a very warm welcome to you all this morning. Special welcome to any who are joining us for the first time today. What a wonderful song we've just heard from the community of Teze. Lord, you are my light, shine out in my darkness. I'm sure that's a so it's Sunday morning. I've just been watching Jan's service live on Facebook. And Jan was there in her white robes. There were beautiful yellow roses in a vase. There were six candles, a silver communion cup. Behind her, what looked like a painting of the disciples. And in front of her on the white tablecloth, a sturdy wooden lectern that looked like it had been hastily borrowed from the church. So Jan, you succeeded in bringing the Church of the Resurrection into your dining room. And um, I thought it was a, it was a very peaceful and, and lovely event. How did you feel it went for you? It, it took a bit of thinking. I think we've rearranged the furniture several times in the last three weeks, trying to kind of create the maximum ambience, really, for the services. Um, and I think we've got it just about right now. It needs to feel inviting when people log on. You know, they need to feel it's a space they can come into. Uh, so hopefully we've created that now. Yes, it certainly it, it felt very restful and... Um... I, I suppose we could say the same for your your message. I, I, the section which really leapt out at me was when you talked about how really people were feeling quite a lot of anxiety right now about health and jobs and, and really our future way of life. So I, I wonder if you could just sum up for us, what was your message this morning? Yeah, I mean, you know, it was obviously linking into the gospel reading where the disciples were locked away, afraid after the crucifixion um, and how the risen Jesus came and stood in their midst behind their locked doors and brought them peace. And I guess that the real crux of my message today was that that's just as true for us today. You know, we're all behind closed doors at the minute, apart from when we're on our daily exercise. And many of us are afraid and wondering what on earth's coming next, just like those disciples were on that first Easter. I will say I, I couldn't stop thinking about those four men that you said had taken their lives, um, whose funerals you've had to um, minister in the last couple of weeks. I, I, I wonder where you think we're, we're all going from here, because clearly we're in a fragile moment, aren't we? It, it's really hard to know. None of us can know. Um, but I'm, I'm just so full of the, the hope that my faith gives me, um, that wherever we are going, and we can't possibly know that, I just know that it will be okay. And I, I don't really know what more to say than that. Yeah. I think we're obviously going, we're moving towards very different times. You know, there's no way we can ever go back to the way we were before. I just think too much has happened in these last weeks since the virus took a hold. We can't ever be the country that we were before. We can't ever be the local communities we were. In fact, the world can never be as it was. But I think whatever it becomes, it will be okay. You know, throughout history, people have battled with adversity, haven't they? This is not the first time. It might be the first time in, in these ways that, that the whole world is struggling together. And of course, we know more about it because we're so interconnected now with technology. But throughout history, even going back to biblical times, people battled with really challenging things. And in the end, they came through it. 
because that's the power of the human spirit. Yes, it feels like we're we're learning a lot about ourselves at the moment, and we'll continue to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I think it's a real learning curve for everybody at the minute. People that thought they had it all sewn up and thought they knew what they needed in life are suddenly realising that maybe those priorities were wrong. And and I hope that where we are going in the future is to be um, becoming a community of people that are more compassionate for everybody, not just for the ones that matter to them, but, you know, that, that we become a people who really keep our priorities in order in a way that's beneficial to everybody, not just ourselves, um, that we become a community of people that just care rather than being selfish and not just caring about other people but caring about our planet as well because I think that's one of the lessons we're learning at the minute as well how the planet's recovering because we're not on the roads as much and you know we're not doing the things we normally do that destroy the planet and its life mm. you know we're, we're all part of this fragile ecosystem and for too long I think humanity has believed that we were the most important part and and the planet was there to feed our need and our greed and I I really hope from all of this that we learn that that's not the case that we're interconnected with everything in creation and that we can live more harmoniously in the future to look with our eyes open and to, to listen with our ears open to what's actually going on not just in our lives but everywhere mm. and, and see what we can learn from that and, and you know make this world the world it was created to be a place of peace and harmony and you know I think this is the real chance that we have to do that Jen these are huge thoughts um, I'm really grateful that you've taken the time to talk to us and uh, uh, and I've I will say I find it a very moving experience talking to you about all of this um, and you know I can only wish you and all of your parishioners um, a great deal of Good fortune and peace in the coming weeks and months to come. Thank you. Thank you. As ever, thanks for listening. And if you've been affected by anything that we've spoken about with Jan, you can call the Samaritans any time in the UK on 116123. And if you're listening anywhere else in the world you can find your nearest helpline in the link we've provided in the podcast description. Stay safe and see you next week. At Tortoise, we do much more than podcasts. There's an app where you can read our investigations, sign up for our daily email and get involved in our think-ins, the live discussions that shape our journalism. To get a 30-day free trial of Tortoise, and access to everything we do, just go to tortoisemedia.com slash podtrial. That's tortoisemedia.com slash podtrial. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh. The joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. 
The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. We're supposed to learn from our own mistakes, but other people's errors can be instructive too. From efforts to control the weather that went disastrously awry, to the untimely death of the Segway boss, history is a treasure trove of mishaps and meltdowns that can teach us all. I'm Tim Harford, host of Cautionary Tales, the podcast that mines the greatest fiascos of the past for their most valuable lessons. Listen to Cautionary Tales wherever you get your podcasts.